Hey Mel, imagine this. What? You're a white guy. No, I can't imagine that. And you have this black friend, and you're having this conversation. I got black friends. And this guy appears to you to be getting upset, angry at something you're saying. And mm-hmm. so you say to him, oh, I'm sorry, I've made you angry. And he says to you, I'm not angry. Why do you keep thinking I'm this angry black man? I'm just telling you the truth. And imagine saying to yourself, wow, I wish there was some way to know what these insensitive things I'm saying are and why they're insensitive so that I could maybe work through this with this friend. Can you imagine something like that? Wow, Randy. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast? I think I will do a podcast. Will you join me? Yes. Hi, I'm Randy Bonser. Welcome to the White People's Guide to Insensitive Speech. This is a podcast devoted to empowering people in their efforts to start new and strengthen existing cross-racial relationships. And yes, I'm a white guy living in South Metro Atlanta, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Mel Turner. A black guy living southeast of the city. Are you allowed to say, I'm a black guy? Yes. Am I allowed to say I'm a white guy? Yes. It's okay. Don't be scared. This episode <laughs> is called, Why Am I So Afraid to Talk About Race? Gun, gun, gun. I think this is something that a lot of white people experience. Like they will have this relationship or maybe they desire a cross-racial relationship, but they're just afraid they're going to step on landmines. Yup. Do you know what I'm talking about? Landmines? I do. I do. Like saying something, I don't know, insensitive? Yes. Like many things I say. (laughs) Yeah, we got many podcasts to parse that. So the purpose of this podcast, not just this episode, but the entire podcast, is to strengthen existing and start new cross-racial relationships. And I think it was very well said by a bookstore owner in Boston, and I heard this on NPR one day, that with all the things going on in the world... All these white people want to now read books about race. Everybody wants to talk about race, right? And where are you out? Is there one black friend? Well, God bless them for wanting to do their homework. (laughs) I'm sorry, okay? We want to get involved here. He ended the interview by saying, it's not just going to take one or two books. It's going to take time, empathy, and relationship. And the thing about those is, in order to have empathy, you need a relationship. Right. But in order to have a relationship, it takes time right? and it takes courage. Right. So I love what he said. It takes time, empathy, and relationships. So this is a podcast about cross-racial relationships. I love what you're saying there, Randy, because it's so very important. There are so many things that we want to do, so many things that are going on in the world, and you can get overwhelmed by that understanding that policy needs to be changed. That's the that's the macro view, to borrow an economics uh, phrase, which I failed at Georgia Tech. But anyway, that's another story. But we have to take the macro. People tend to take the macro. You can get overwhelmed. How do I change policy? How do I change systemic Let's go change stuff? the schools. Yeah, let's, let's go, go do this. Reform the police. No, how about you start and blossom where God has planted you? Let's move it down to the micro level. Now, I know for some of you sophisticated folks out there, this is going to sound hokey and elementary, but this is where it begins. This is not a cop-out. 
This is about developing one relationship at a time, developing the empathy, which can be the catalyst to catapult you, if you so desire, to do the greater things, the larger things. But I don't think there's anything greater than establishing these micro relationships with people other than who you are. In my view, and you may disagree with this, and some listeners may disagree with this, but the people who go out and change the systemic issues in society are people who have empathy. Yes. Like, if you don't think black people are oppressed right now, you're not you're going not to do go anything. out and do anything. That's right. If you're a That's white right. person, you're a councilman or something like that, these people coming to you are just whiners. Right. They're just ungrateful. Pull you know, yourself just, up by your bootstrap. Right, get over all it. the things we've been saying right. about black people for hundreds of years now until you get to know some black people. And you say, wow. The system's messed up. Okay. I did <laughs> not know this was occurring. I can't tell you how many white friends I have now who have said, wow, I did not know these things were occurring. And we don't want any of these horrible things that have happened in the past six months to happen. But without those things, a lot of white people would not be, shall we use the word woke? Is that overused? But now, it's appropriate or this won't you won't be motivated to do anything. You won't be catalyzed. All the things that are going on are catalyzing the right people to become what we call what would be called an ally, to come alongside, knowing that you never can experience what it's like to be a person of color in the United States, but to know that you can be empathetic and say how can we together develop a relationship and then how can we together change the system. And this empathy you're talking about, to me, it's a journey of empathy. Yeah. And I started this journey back in the 1980s when I lived in a completely white suburb of Detroit. And we used to joke about the police pulling black people over in our city, not to do anything. They never went to jail, but it was just a harassment technique. It was just a way of saying, you don't belong here. Don't get comfortable. And we've got the upper hand. We've got the upper hand. Don't get comfortable. Really, we don't want you to move in here. We would sort of joke about that, but I became aware that that was wrong. And so I went out looking for friends. And of course, there was no one to be friends with until I moved to Detroit. And then it was like, wow, I was a minority for the first time in my life. You were a minority and you didn't have any friends because you had a mullet. But anyway. Oh, you saw that picture of me <laughs> yes. in the 1980s. Ladies and gentlemen, okay. that's why he didn't have any friends. He had a mullet. Okay, okay go ahead. Okay, episode, episode <laughs> two. Episode two, we're going to talk about the mullet. This is episode one. Sorry. We're not talking about the mullet. I'm talking about the journey of empathy. Yes. So then something major happened to me. Lots of major things happened. But in 1995, I married an African-American woman. Gun, gun, gun. And so, full disclosure, I'm a little bit closer to this topic than maybe some people who um, don't have a black person that close to them or a relationship that close. Right. So that was a big step in my journey to empathy, especially the second week we were married <laughs> and my wife left for the whole day. It was a Saturday and I was going to do something romantic with her. And she rolls in about 4.30 in the afternoon. I was like, where have you been? And do you know what she said? <laughs> what had she told you? Where was she going? You got to set it up right. She had told you what? I'm going to get my hair done. And in your white mind, you were thinking? That's one hour. There you go. You walk in, you get it done, you walk out, one hour. But guess what? This lasted all day long. She left at 10 in the morning and came home at 4 in the afternoon. Bruh, for a black woman getting her hair done, that's an event. 
That's an all day thing. So this was the beginning of my journey of empathy. <laughs> so anyway, so I have these black children and, you know, the world sees them as black and they identify as black. And I want them to identify as black because that's a wonderful thing. And so I have along the way become more empathetic as things happen to me. But you have to have these experiences and these relationships in order to walk this journey of empathy. And I just want to tell one quick story before we get into tips for cross-racial relationships. Okay. And this is a big one in your and my relationship, mm-hmm. Mel Turner. I had started going to the church where you were teaching the marriage class. Right. And I don't know why my wife wanted us to go to a marriage class. I'm a perfect spouse. Yeah. Anyway, that's episode four. But anyway. <laughs> what not to say to your wife. <laughs> I'm a perfect spouse. <laughs> Anyway, we were going to this marriage class that you and your wife were teaching, and it was so great, and you were so dynamic up front, and I'm sorry to tell you that Renee is the real teacher of the Yes, yes, yes. But anyway, so we're doing this class, and I hear you say something about coffee and being a coffee snob. That's right. And I was like, I want to be a coffee snob. Let me get to know this guy. (laughs) And so we started meeting for coffee at a local coffee shop whose name I will not say until they sponsor us. There you go. Forthcoming. There you go. They will be sponsoring us at some point. We've spent so many hours in that coffee shop. Yeah. But we had been meeting for a while, and one day I walked in, and you were just down that day especially. Right. You were a little bit down. I was like, well, what's going on? And you started talking about Michael Brown. I think it was Michael Brown. Wasn't it was Michael it? Brown. In St. Louis. It was what was going on outside St. Louis. And it wasn't that he was shot. I think this happened on the day that nobody was charged mm-hmm. for the murder. Mm-hmm. And do you, almost like at that moment, that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Little did you know, we'd have another five years of straws that break the camel's back. But at that moment, I thought, until now, I have been viewing black men being shot intellectually like, oh, well, something needs to be done. Walk away. But to see my friend in this much pain mm-hmm. really hit me in a, in a way that, drew me in and caused me to be empathetic. And so that's the power of relationships, I think. When you can see the pain in someone's life and say, oh, they're not just whiners. They're not just ungrateful. They're not just whatever the excuse is that you're saying now about black people and why you're not listening to the pain that's coming from the black community. This is what relationships will do. Yeah, and you were willing to say, even in making the statement, Little did we know five years hence we'd be dealing with the same thing. But the thing is, for white folks listening in the audience, you have to think in terms of the Michael Brown situation or anything else wasn't a one-off. This has been 401 years for people, for black people. So it was just another thing, but things were coming to a head. So the reason that we connected and developed our relationship, we started talking about coffee. We immediately, the first time we met, we didn't dive off into the deep end of the pool. How do you feel about the Michael Brown decision? Right, right. You know, Some we, of you got up and walked away. Right. Like, I've been like, okay, I'm out. Why are you asking me that, man? You're all up in my grill. You don't know me like that. Right. So you took the time. We developed a relationship. And because you were empathetic, you read body language. You saw it. And I felt comfortable enough to share what was going on with me. And you didn't try to fix it. You listened. You lamented. And that's going to be a key through all of these podcasts. Lamentation. Learning to lament. Right. Learning to weep and grieve and don't try to fix it. 
that's the issue. That's what empathy is. Being in that space, you put yourself in my shoes. And because you had had, I call it a head start, you're married to an African-American woman and you got two African-American children. So you were fully immersed. But it's possible if that's not your scenario, audience, it's possible. You're a white person married to a white person. Fine. You can still become an ally. Why? You can step to the male turners of the world and develop a relationship. Which takes time. Yes. And it takes yes. courage. Yes. And it takes staying in there when it's uncomfortable because you are going to say things that are insensitive, that are perceived as insensitive. One of my friends who is a, uh, you met Dr. Stacy. Yeah. She says, your intention matters less than your impact. Yeah. In other words, we white people, we say things that are insensitive and then someone tells us it's insensitive and we say, oh, that wasn't what I meant. Well, that's not how it came across. Right. right. So what we have here, the next part of this podcast is tips for cross-racial relationships. This is not a formula, of course, and some of these tips were taken from So You Want to Talk About Race by... Last name is Aluo. Aluo. Yes. That's her last name. (laughs) Ijeoma Aluo. Aluo, there we go. Okay, good. And she has a father who's Nigerian, which is why that name is maybe not as easy to pronounce as Mm -hmm. some other names, which we're going to get into names in episode four. Yeah. Like... Everything's happening in episode, episode four. four. <laughs> it's be I don't jam-packed. Know. It could be episode five. That's my that's my word. Episode four. So here are some tips for cross-racial relationships. And of course, there's no formula, but these will help you to avoid landmines. Or if you step on a landmine, help you keep going. Okay, the first tip for cross-racial relationships. Understand that you will make mistakes. Please understand that. You will make mistakes. This story that I told you of making somebody angry by saying they were angry when they weren't angry, and then them saying, you're pigeonholing me into being an angry black man, you would think, oh, you must have done that in the 1990s as you were getting to know black people. No, last month. (laughs) So here I am, 25 years into an interracial marriage, 30 years into interracial friendships, and I'm still stepping on landmines. You just have to know that you are going to say something that is going to be insensitive if you are in the majority community because it's we have been privileged all our life to say whatever we want. And we've been privileged all our life to be shielded from the lives of minority people, people of color. And so we just don't know what we don't know. We can't be afraid to go into relationships because we might say something. Ins- You're going to say something insensitive. Right. That's a good one. The second thing, folks, you need to be aware of is this. Pay attention to impact that it's having on your listener versus what your intentions are. Someone may give you a negative response from something that is going on or something that you've said, and they are hurt. The worst thing that you can do is say, why are you being so sensitive? I don't understand. That's not what I intended. That person is hurt. They don't care what you intended. They want you to pay attention to the impact that it had on them. What we're looking for as people of color is to say it has had a 400 year 
impact on us being oppressed, being put upon. Pay attention to that. And the worst thing you can do is talk about intentions. And intentions come out in something like, well, my people didn't have slaves. Or I didn't have, well, my best friend in college was black. Okay, that's that's about your anxiety. Pay attention to that black person's anxiety. Which brings us to number three. Learn to listen and then listen. You don't have to be defensive whenever you hear something that hurts your feelings. I know, Mel, you like to talk about white fragility. I've never actually read the book on Mm -hmm. white fragility, but that is a real thing. We say something, we hurt somebody... They let us know they're hurt, and we get so fragile, like, we just get defensive. We right. just run away. But if we can just listen, that's part of empathy, is listening. As majority people, this is not something we're taught to listen right. without judgment. We can listen, but we're, res- we're responding in our mind about why you're just a whiner, why you're not grateful, why you need to pick yourself up. Just listen to what they're saying. And number four, then, is to come prepared. Do your work. Please. Now, this is something that, you know, (laughs) white people go to black people. And I've had so many friends say this to me. Why are white people coming to me asking me what they should do? I tell them, okay, I think this is coming from a pure place in a white person's heart. They want really to do something. Mm -hmm. And we're so clueless as the majority community that we really don't know what to do. So I can tell you that I've had many friends come to me, even in the last four months, what can I do? And I say to them, read a book, the book that I just mentioned. So you want to talk about race, read that. Read The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. Tisby, Read I'm Still Here. Read something. Mm -hmm. Read read Charles Barkley. Yeah. You know, Charles Barkley has some stuff about race. Or Stamped from the Beginning. Yes. Uh, Anti-racism. Yeah. Ibram Kendi. Kendi. So we should have had all these books in front of us. But anyway, there's lots of books out there to read. There are videos to watch. There are podcasts to listen to. If you're listening to this, you've made a good start. Mm -hmm. This is going to help you. I listen to a podcast called The Antioch Podcast out of Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. Friends of mine in Grand Rapids. Um, They talk about biblical anti-racism. And they got four or five people sitting around a table up there, um, multiracial people. Up there, So there are ways that you can come prepared. And when you do, then you'll be a better ally. Then you're empathetic. I got to jump in here. It is. I mean, let, let me just sum up what Randy has said. White folk, it is not my job to educate you. Give Say me that. something to Say work that. with. Give me something to work with. Do some work. Then we can discuss. But don't sit down with me and ask me to trace the middle passage and figure out how this came about from 1619. So here we are in number five, Mel. This is, this is for you. Don't judge the authenticity of someone else's experience. I wanted you to say it. That's right. It wouldn't sound right coming from me. Don't judge me. <laughs> I have an authentic pain as a black person. The worst, the most insensitive thing you can say is that I don't understand how you feel that way. Why do you feel that way? More importantly... Or more derogatively, you shouldn't feel that way. I have authentic pain. Empathy says, I may not have that pain. I may not have experienced that and have the same pain you do, but I see you hurting, and I'm going to step into your pain and be there with you. And that's Romans 12, right? It is. Born with those who mourn. Right. We're going to be mentioning Romans 12 in almost every podcast. Right. But there's loving others as you, you know, love others as brothers and sisters 
and then mourn with those who mourn. So we're not trying to tell people what you feel is not right. Right. And then number six, you've got to forgive yourself when you make mistakes. Please keep coming back. Forgive yourself. And that's the next one. Which blurs into the go Dust right into the next one. yourself off and try again. You are going to make mistakes. You're going to say something insensitive. You can either stay in there and try and get it right mm-hmm. or you can run away. And that's what most of us do is we, we run away. It's fight or flight, right? One of the things I appreciate about Randy is that he doesn't give in to the white fragility. I know there are moments when we're having discussions where he feels uncomfortable, but he stays in there. It will pop up. Your anxiety will pop up. Dust yourself off. Start all over again. Keep going. Keep pushing. Because that black person on the other side of the table is like, I've been hanging in here. We've been hanging here for 400 years. You couldn't hang in here for 30 minutes and engage me before your head exploded with the anxiety? Right. Which leads (laughs) us to the last tip. So here are the 10. Understand you will make mistakes. Two, don't let your emotions override your intentions. Three, come prepared. Do your work. Four, learn to listen and then listen. Five, don't judge the authenticity of someone else's experience. Six, forgive yourself when you make mistakes. Seven, dust yourself off and try again. And number eight, these relationships are to change you. You're not trying to change someone else. Thank you. This is about you changing. This is about a healthy boundary on yourself. It's about majority community, learning to listen and mourn with those who mourn, and starting on this journey of empathy that is going to heal this country and heal the relationships that we have between people. Okay, what I want to do is just talk about a couple of episodes that are coming up. Mel, you got that list there? Just name a couple just uh, to tease our listeners here. Why can't we just go back to the way things used to be? Episode two. (laughs) I'm not a racist. Oh, really? (laughs) I don't see your color. I don't see color. I don't see color. I'm colorblind. Colorblind. Let me hit you in your throat. No, sorry. Um, let's take race out of the discussion. Okay. Let's do it. You and I have never been able to do it. Anywho, that's just a little, little tease. What about episode 15? When can I use the N word? Y'all need to tune in for that one. That's going to be something. Can't wait for that one. Mel has promised me. He's going to tell me the one time. That's right. one time I'm allowed to use the N word. That's right. Tune in. It'll take a while. Well, thanks for tuning in to the White People's Guide to Insensitive Speech. Thank you. We would love for you to visit our website. It's called insensitivespeech.com. And because I know you can't spell insensitive, (laughs) I know I can't. It's I-N-S-E-N-S. I-T-I-V-E-S-P-E-E-C-H, insensitivespeech.com. B-I-N-G-O. And Lord, we would love for you to leave a comment about a story that you have in a relationship that you have, yeah. either a successful story or a failure story. We'd love to hear your failures, so that I'm not the only one <laughs> failing over here. 
support Randy. Thank Send you. your failures Thank in. You. The only one bold enough to say something stupid. No, we would love to hear your comments. We'll actually tell your stories on the air if they're appropriate. Don't tell. Yeah, so clean it up. Yeah, yeah clean it up. Don't. Come on. Come on now. And if you leave us comments, um, we'll tell your stories. But we would love for you to go to our website and tune in for future episodes. Get started. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Not going to see you because it's a podcast. Can it trick the audience? <laughs> there you go. Blessings. Blessings. Bye. Peace.